There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. CeCe Peniston performs live tonight at City Winery in Washington, D.C. We spoke last year when she performed at the Birchmere in Alexandria, Virginia, breaking down her hit song, Finally, which ranked number 29 on VH1's list of the 100 Greatest Dance Songs. Man, thanks so much for having me, for real. And I've always done, like, the City Winery, so I've done a couple of band shows. And the thing I love about that is the intimacy of actually being able to touch the crowd and you know people for so long consider me a dance artist so for them to hear me live with like a different repertoire of music is is like an amazing thing for me when people turn out to the show what sort of stuff we're gonna hear are you, are you saying that it's a completely different set list or just more of a different uh style of your hit oh hell no nah, because jason that's when people check out you know how people come to a show and they're like why are you doing all this new stuff we don't know and they get agitated <laughs> So my thing is, I'm doing all the hits, but I'm doing a couple of things that you may not expect. I'm the type to have a full band, like the background singers, and I do a DJ because I have like a heavy 808 in my, um, in my, you know, the bass in my music, you know, with dance music. People want to hear that bass, so I have a DJ as well. So I always do that. You'll hear all the regular hits. Finally, we got a love thing. Keep on walking. Not over you. All of that. But then you'll maybe hear a couple of standards and you'll hear like maybe a ballad or two that, oh, inside I cried. I never get to sing that in like regular shows. Usually when I do a show, it's like, hey, do the do the hits. Maybe love thing. Keep on walking. Um, do finally, you know, maybe I'm in the mood. So it may be a 20 minute set. This is like an hour and 10 minute set. So you get, I get to do like, you know, I get to have fun. I get to do things I don't usually get to do. All right, cool. Well, take me back all the way to the beginning then. So I know you're born in Dayton, Ohio, but you moved to Phoenix at like age nine or something. How did you get into music growing up? You know, what's funny is I didn't even know I could sing until I was like 11 or 12. I was in, you know, middle school. I was in like, I was 11 or 12. So I was in, you know, primary. And the teacher said, hey, I want you to try out for this show. And I was like, okay, why? Because, you know, you don't know you can sing. She said, I think you have an amazing voice. And I said, okay. So I went and tried out for it. It was um, HMS Pinafore, which started me saying, oh, my God. I love being on stage. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And that's what I and that's what I had decided. As soon as I had gotten my degree, um, I got into music and I have been only doing music ever since. Nice. How did that first record deal actually come about? You know, when did it go from, you know, something you just dreamed about, you know, in high school and college and the like to actually becoming a profession? You know, what's funny is um, <clears throat> I was around Arizona doing all kinds of talent shows, karaoke shows. You know, you'd be winning that little $300 where you'd be like, I'm going to buy me some fly clothes for school because I was young at the time. Right. right. <laughs> so then it was like um, um, uh, Felipe Delgado, R.K. Jackson, and then we're working with Overweight Pooch who was on A&M at the time with Manny Lehman. 
uh, you know, probably Manny Lehman from Delicious Vinyl, right? For first of all, right, 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 right. Right. So he was like, yo, um, we want you to do the background. So Felipe said, here, I have three songs for you. Kicking the Blues, I Like It, and um, Feed My Preacher. And so Pooch said, when I came out, she loved all three. But when she heard I liked it, she said, I liked it. And so what happened was Manny was like, who is that fiercing it in the back, honey? Who is she? And I was like, it's me. It's I. Right. So then he said, hey, do you have any more songs? And I said, well, you know, I have this song. It was kind of like a poem I had written in college where I should have been paying attention, but it wasn't Jason. So don't judge me. Um, and so he <laughs> said, OK, <laughs> right. And so I gave it to them. And that was the song finally, which came out in um, in the 90s. And it's still being like duplicated to this day, which I'm thankful for. Oh, yeah. I mean, that thing was, was massive. And I know you're only like 21 or something at the time. So but to have your debut single, finally, topping all the dance charts and I think even reached number five on the overall, you know, Billboard Hot 100. Once that thing blows up, what's it like with the first time you hear that on the radio and you just watch that thing rise and rise and become a pop culture sensation? Well, you know, for me, I always say finally was a poem that became a that became a song that became a career. Right. With it being on the charts for like 33 weeks, you don't see that now. You know, every week artists are putting out music. It's nothing for artists to have 65 songs out in three months. So that's the difference between, I would say, the 90s um, uh, when they brought out a song, they worked it for eight months, right? And then now, so 33 weeks on the charts, you will probably never see that again because people are euphoric. In this moment, we have different apps. We have different things going on where people go, oh, my God, I want something different. So I think that's where the difference lies. Um, I'm, I'm about creating new music. Um, if you stay in the form of doing um, what people always know, which is just finally or keep on walking or just love thing and you don't evolve. I think that's when people get bored with artists. And that's why I always make it my business to try to do new things and be like creative or like adventurous or the risk taker. And sometimes I get in trouble for that, but I'm like, hey, I'll take the heat. It is what it is, right? Absolutely. And we appreciate you doing that because I mean, yeah, everyone, everyone and their mom knows finally, but I think a lot of people forget you had like five different number one dance hits in the nineties. And then like you're saying, you continue to reinvent yourself, including the Birchmere show. So we, we appreciate that you keep evolving. Um, because of the success that you started having back then and still today, I, I had a couple live shows that you got to play. Right. First, tell me about when Aretha Franklin calls you and says, hey, play my private birthday party in Detroit. <laughs> so, you know, I had to pull over to the side of the road. She was like, hey, I would love for you to play my birthday party. And I was like, Shoot! and I pulled over to the side of the road, but she didn't hear me. And I was like, oh, my God, I love Aretha Franklin. Like everybody has somebody that they love or they, that they admire. And when Aretha Franklin calls you and says personally, hey, Cece, how are you? I would love for you to play my show. You're like, OK, I need a second. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I was I had always admired her. So I was doing um, it was me, Tito Puente. And we were at a show and she got up. I was doing a Not Over You and she started dancing. I was like, now that's what's up. I say, when you see another artist that you admire get up and also dance to your music, that's such a blessing and it's such a, um, it's such a beautiful feeling for people to show each other admiration. Oh yeah, rest in peace. She was the queen. Um, Man, yes. 
so other than that, you also, as part of your gospel group, Sisters of Glory, you get invited to play at the freaking Vatican for Pope John Paul II. How did that go? That must have been wild. Damn it, Jason. Do you know how overwhelmed I was? I was like looking and I'm like, okay, we have Diane Reese, We have the Pope, which the Pope gave us a private audience. 25 people, right? There was 25 people. He gave us all personal rosaries and stuff like that, right? And I was like, damn, the Pope just gave me a rosary and said, how are you and bless your family, right? So that was like 25 people, right? Then there was, you know, Mavis Staples and then it was Thelma Houston and then it was, we did Woodstock and Andrew Bocelli was there and he was singing, you know, how magnificent his voice is. And my mom had come over with me and we were sitting there like, um, I'm feeling a little bit like, like, wow, right now, but I couldn't tell people how I felt, but it was an amazing experience to perform at a Christmas program with the Pope and Andrew Bocelli and all the other artists that I was around and much respect to them. And, you know, it was a different genre, which also made it amazing for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like once in a lifetime memories forever type of a visit right there to, to Rome. Um, Absolutely. All right. So not only have you performed for the Pope, you also have performed for the president. Uh, I know Bill Clinton invited you to both inaugurations. Is that right? Man, yeah. You know how that happened. So I was out in Madison, uh, Wisconsin, right? I had performed for Hillary Clinton and I had sung uh, Somebody Else's Guy, right? She was like, oh my God, you're great. I love you. So her people contacted me and said, hey, Hillary loved you. She wants you to perform um, for the inauguration with Bill. And I was like, okay, great. I see her again. She's like, hey, Cece, how you doing? She was so pleasant to me, right? And um, and then it was funny because they they asked me to sing the national anthem when um, when he came to Arizona. This was like maybe a year and a half ago. So there was already somebody slated to sing the national anthem. I said, oh, my God. I said, please don't have the person that was slated to, to sing the national anthem throw darts at me in the audience like mental darts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because Bill requested me. So it was like it was such a blessing just to um, sing for him and sing for Hillary as well. And you're not singing at the one coming up here in a couple of weeks, are you? <laughs> hey, you never know. I mean, finally, just saying. There you go. You'll be in town for the birch mirror, so they might as well. Right. You there. never know what can happen. I'm one of those, hey, you never what you never know what can happen, Jason. Judging by everything that's been going down, you probably want to stay far away from them. It's been a mess down in the last, oh my God. I man, I've been watching and I've been seeing everything and I'm like, man, it is a little bit crazy because when you know what, when you see all that going on and then you're like, hey, I have a performance, you don't really know what people's mindset is. But I'm always like, you know, God is bigger than who I am. So I just leave it at that. Exactly. But you'll be over in Alexandria across the river. You're a little, a, a little bit away from, from the, the center of all that. But man, it's, uh, whew, it's been rough. But anyway, uh, back to the music. Um, politics and music, they can go hand in hand sometimes. And I wanted to ask you about, I think, is it true you were the first foreign female performer to perform in post-apartheid South Africa? Yeah, I was. And you know what? It was so funny that they picked me and I was like, finally. And it was funny because I was standing on stage. Right. And I was like, damn, I had chills on my arms. I'm looking down the audience and I'm like, finally. Right. And I'm singing. And I'm like, everybody in the audience is singing. Finally. I'm like, damn, Africa knows like all my songs. Like I had no idea. I went to Africa and Kenya and everywhere, like right overseas. Right. And I was like, damn, they really love like 90s music, 20, like 2000s music. It was, a, it was an amazing experience. 
When was that? When did you actually go over there? Do you remember what year it was? Yeah, 1994. In fact, I brought a shirt to commemorate the fact so I would never forget. And I framed it. <laughs> wow. I mean, come on. The the Pope, the president, <laughs> South Africa, Aretha Franklin. I mean, you've, you've seriously done it all. I mean, congrats on a successful career. Um, anything else I should ask you that I haven't? <laughs> why, why should, why should uh, folks come after the show? You know, it's been a year of depressing, being stuck inside, quarantine, all that stuff. Why, why is it fun to finally get out and finally see you live here at Birchmere? I think it's funny because it was funny because people said the only word I can say is finally. And I feel I feel like, you know, for some crazy reason, God keeps picking me. Finally, is that song where it's like, hey, finally, we're out, right? Um, I think it would just be fun. We're still social distancing. It's at 200 as far as like the venue is concerned to make sure everybody's still social distancing. Um, I can say it's been a definitely a roller coaster. Um, people don't always get to see that with artists, but no, hey, we got our shit too. We got our shit too, the things that we go through, but our job is to heal the world and our job is to give back to other people and make you smile. You come to our show to get away from your bad day. That's all I can say. And I thank everybody that continues to support me. Shout out to the Birchmere. Shout out to Rob Miko, who set everything up. And I just appreciate everybody who continues to support me. My Instagram is CC Peniston. My Twitter is CC underscore Peniston. And my Facebook is a official CC Peniston Facebook fan page. Awesome. Don't miss it. Get your tickets now. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. I, I really, really appreciate it. And good luck at the no, show. Thank you so much, Jason. Have a beautiful and blessed day. I appreciate you so much. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.